we have a really special offer today and I'm so excited to share it with you. The ultimate giveaway. Do you want to receive one of our planners for free or would you like access to our Instagram growth course worth £59? At My Bump to Baby, we are massively passionate about making sure parents have the protection in place that they need should the worst happen. If you choose to book in with your nearest family law solicitor today to have a look and a chat about your will, or if you book in with your financial advisor to review your family protection or your pension, we will give you access to either our Instagram course with £59 or we will send you one of our amazing planners completely free of charge. To qualify for this, all you need to do is fill in the form at the bottom of this podcast and we will book you in with your nearest advisor. You don't need to take out a policy and you don't need to take out a will. It's just simply having a chat to make sure that you have the protection that you need should the worst happen. We are so excited to bring you this offer and we hope you take advantage of it because protecting your family is the most important decision that you could make today. Hello and welcome to 50 Shades of Motherhood, uncensored, unhinged and unapologetic motherhood chats around the highs, the lows, the struggles, everything really. This week, I am joined by the lovely Genevieve Roberts, who will be sharing her story about making the decision and a journey to having a sperm donor. Now, this is a very interesting, amazing episode, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of 50 Shades of Motherhood. Today, I am joined by the incredible Genevieve Roberts, and she will be discussing why she became a single mum using a sperm donor. Um, So welcome to the show, Genevieve. Hi, thanks for having me. We're very excited. I'm sure um, our audience will be very excited to hear your story, which is absolutely incredible. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, to listening myself. So, um, so it, Genevieve, could you start by telling us a, a bit about you and your background and, and when you decided that you wanted to become a mum? Um, yeah, I think I'd always wanted to become a mum. It's quite, um, I just hadn't ever imagined that I wasn't going to be, which might sound odd. It was something I took completely for granted. I remember chatting with friends about it sort of at school and deciding what ages I'd have children, which seems seems really crazy now. Um, I don't think I knew that anyone could have infertility problems or anything of this sort. So um I it was wasn't something through my 20s I was very happy um working hard had I was a serial monogamist I'd say so all my relationships from teenage years upwards were were quite serious ones um and then 
I split up, I got married very briefly and split up with my then husband um, when I turned 30. It had been a very short marriage and I couldn't see us spending the rest of our lives together. Um, so I made that decision and it was a hard one. And I think it made me feel, it was the first time I really questioned my judgment on things. I felt like I'd made a really bad mistake. It wasn't a mistake that I'd hoped to make. And I suddenly went to, from having boyfriends constantly to actually spending some time just really thinking and spending some time on my own and learning what that was like. And then I dated a few people and had a few relationships. Um, and then in my mid-30s, I was in a, a relationship and I got pregnant and had a miscarriage. And that person left very swiftly afterwards. We hadn't really been together nearly long enough to be thinking about having children together. But we decided that we wanted to do this and um, he moved in with me and it, it, it all it felt like my life was unraveling very very quickly um and I found having a miscarriage incredibly heartbreaking and it took a while to get over everything but I was able to come to terms with 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 losing um losing a baby but it didn't make me not want to have one. I mean, I, it, it was, I still felt like I was in this sort of limbo of being a half mother. I'd already in my head made all those sacrifices and was so excited. And I, I felt really ready for that time of my life. Um, but, you know, I carried on and was having you know got myself together again and I had my fertility tested I decided that was a wise thing to do I presumed my fertility was very high um but thought I'll have my fertility tested just so that I know and then I can hopefully not think about that for a while and um meet someone else and have children and I found out my fertility was really low and it changed everything overnight really I couldn't bear the idea of not trying to have children at all um and it felt like I had a choice at that time either I was going to do my very best to try and find a relationship and have children but I had to accept that that might not happen because I'd been told that it wouldn't or to to kind of go about things in in a slightly different order and if I wanted to, to try and have children to, to do that and then hopefully meet someone down the line and it felt it really felt too difficult not to the idea of just never trying to have children for me felt really tricky and something that was under such a time limit all of a sudden um and yeah once it, it actually wasn't that hard a decision because the alternative would have been really disappointing for me. So 
That's amazing. I mean, from what you said from the beginning, sorry, I was so engrossed in what you were saying. I kind of went a bit quiet, but um, yeah, from from the, what you said at the beginning, you know, um, the early relationship and, and in your head. I mean, I don't know why we do it as women, but we always in our head think 30, 30. I mean, I was in a, a relationship <laughs> and I got engaged um, and I won't go into it too much because he's a lovely guy, um, but we just weren't right for each other. And, um, but, you know, at that time, I was 27 I was thinking right yeah if we get engaged get married have children by 30 like it's like as soon as you get to 30 you almost question like where's my life going is it on the track I wanted it to go on and I don't know why we think like that but but we do and um, I split up with him and then I started thinking like the same as you really like I think I was when I split up with him I think I was around 28 but then I start thinking oh my goodness this is it now you know I might not have children and then you know and and with what you went through with your miscarriage as well I think you have all those ideas for that time that you are pregnant you really do think to yourself don't you like oh what when will they be born oh it'll be nearly Christmas they can wear that it's all those little things that you you create this baby in your mind and you love that baby for however long or short it is they they have have existed and they've existed in your thoughts and you've thought about taking them to school and you know it's just everything is almost whipped away from you um and it's awful to go through so so um that's incredible how you got got to that stage and I'm sure a lot of women that may be listening to this who are also in a similar position and are single I would love to hear more about about how how getting a sperm donor actually works as well so can you tell us a bit more about that of course yeah it totally surprised me actually it's um it's quite like they're quite like online dating sites in a way just the way that there's loads of profiles to look through um obviously you're not flirting with those people you're just um you're you're looking at them and there's loads of health information which I found really useful oh wow wow that's good they give your the parents the grandparents the aunts the uncles all the things that they've um had in their life diseases and they um give character profiles so there's quite a lot of detail on the site that I used there were baby photos as well so I got an impression um of of what they look like as a baby oh that's so cool yeah it was there was a lot more detail than I expected and different places will give you more or less detail but if you're in the UK obviously it's that same limit of 10 UK families um which is which is really important in my opinion um and yeah I found I found that health was what I went on um I know some people who've gone for people who who look a bit like them to kind of increase the chance that their baby will look really similar which I can understand yeah I wouldn't have thought of that but that's such a good idea yeah that's another idea so then the baby's more like them yeah I mean it doesn't always work like that I mean just you know you never know do you but um yeah it's it I I just kind of for me I was just like someone who whose family seems to be pretty healthy seems like a very good way it I think it partly depends what you think of nature and nurture as well I did go for someone who quite liked being outdoors because I love being outdoors so I thought having someone who had that similar um personality would be good but in all honesty I think that that mainly is something that you develop 
you know, I think that that's probably partly nurture. Who knows? I agree with that. Yeah, I do think um, it's so. I mean, if your child's in all the time, um, I do do think, you know, when TV becomes a bit of the life, um, like George at the moment, I must admit, we've been watching a lot of TV (laughs) at the moment. And I keep saying to George, should we go for a walk? He's like, no, I want to watch TV. I'm just like, wow. Okay. So, but to be honest, then you can get on with other stuff. So no, that, that, that sounds really interesting. Do you know, I never knew all about that. And, and how many profiles are there then? Thousands or is it? Um, well, I'm, I mean, there were, there were loads. There were loads. I'm not sure whether it was thousands. I'd say I looked through hundreds wow. rather than thousands. Yeah. Um, for me, I, 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 bought the sperm from overseas but I so the only um I had to filter because it was only people who were um okay for the UK so you have to they can't be um because of the limits to the sperm and because you have to have identity release so for example um all children who are conceived by a sperm donor in the UK have the right to contact um their donor when they hit 18 um so that's that's something that if a donor doesn't agree to then obviously they're not suitable for UK, for the UK yeah. um the HPA the human fertilization and embryology authority is is um quite good at regulating that and i think it's very important and i hope in time that will become those regulations will increase worldwide yeah how were your family um and friends how did they react when you told them were they really supportive and did they understand or was it a difficult one to approach my friends were amazing they I think one of them might have said at last because people knew how much I wanted you know children and it you know time in your mid-30s does feel like it's it's kind of passing and I think they kind of almost wondered why I hadn't why I wasn't getting on with it in some way um lots of people saying they thought I'd be a a good mum and that they'd support me as much as they could which I appreciated so so much um my mum said I'm worried that you're picking a hard life for yourself which I thought was a really um nice concern to have and I explained to her that actually it was really hard wanting a child and not having one um and and not even trying to have one and I think that's when she got it because I think my life seemed really from the outside seemed really lovely I mean I was really lucky with my life and it was just that thing that felt like it was really missing for me um and I don't think she had any idea that that that's how I felt because, you know, I'd be going off on a holiday and doing, you know, working really hard and doing really interesting things and, and was really, I, I have been really, really fortunate. So um, I think once she understood that, she too was very supportive. Yeah, I think the mom, with mums, they just want to make sure, you know, that, you know, the they can be honest can't they and just make sure you're making it the right decision but so once you've selected um, the sperm donor how, how does it work from there what what actually happens then 
So the sperm gets sent to the clinic, um, whether you're, you know, to the fertility mm-hmm. clinic or to a hospital if you're if you're having your treatment there, and you your um, cycle starts to be regulated. It depends whether you're having IVF or IUI. So for my daughter, I had artificial insemination, which is IUI, and for my son, I had IVF, which is a bit more intrusive. So with my daughter, they just started um, scanning me to see the eggs um, and the follicle gets bigger and bigger and they wanted it to be 20 centimetres, 20 centimetres, gosh, that would be almost 20 millimetres. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and when it reaches that, you do a trigger injection, oh, which wow. is putting hormones, you just inject them, it's into your tummy and that uh, causes you to ovulate and they put the sperm in and then you hope that they'll just, you know, do what do what they do and uh, the sperm and the egg all meet. Yeah. Um, how much how much sperm do you get from one donor then is it like equivalent to one kind of I don't want to put this weirdly but one blast as in like you know one sex you know normally like say would it would it be enough like quite a few times like quite I don't know because they do it it, I mean you'd have thought that one one blast is enough (laughs) one blast yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) um it takes one of the sperm they tell you how many like sperm are within it mm. and it's usually millions and millions wow. so um but i i guess i don't know how much how much sperm is in i haven't i have never thought to ask no, really- <laughs> i know well i was just thinking because like i don't know yeah i suppose it's is it just then do you have do you have some left over in case that didn't work the first time then how how does that work then you tend to buy a few vials so I bought um I think I bought three but my daughter was then conceived on the second round of artificial insemination so is that the second month then you came back and did it again I did it again the next month and I was really fortunate I I did become pregnant that month wow that's incredible so so is this all done in a hospital type place or um so yeah uh, i went to a fertility clinic um which is really it's really similar um it's really similar to a hospital setting in all honesty um what i liked about it was that they had hot chocolate in the waiting room oh. which seemed quite quite nice i might go there myself my husband yeah. will be like oh, it sounds nice just having a peaceful hot chocolate on your own at the moment <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um yeah I, it depends if you're if you're getting it through the nhs then then you tend to be in a ho- more hospital setting but some of the some of the clinics do nhs and the mix you know it's it's a mix but as a solo mum i had to self-fund you know there was it was me paying for it. yeah of course of course right so so you got pregnant on the second month then how, how was your pregnancy was it all all good normal textbook I suppose Uh, it was with my daughter I got a little bit sick and then with my son I got quite sick Mm. um but but yeah it went it went to plan I you know it was it I was just very very aware of being pregnant I think because I'd had a miscarriage I don't think you ever take pregnancy for granted again um so I was, I remember being, you know, people saying, oh, you don't need to worry. And me thinking, uh, it was, I think the worst was when someone said to me, worrying isn't good for your baby. And me being like, oh no, now I'm worrying about being worried. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> I, know what <laughs> I found the whole thing quite, 
I didn't find it very relaxing. I think I, I sort of thought I'd love being pregnant and I had really bad anemia and was feeling really poorly and was having to eat just to get the energy to get out of bed. Um, which I'm still, you know, trying to lose now from the, all the amount that I ate during pregnancy, that pregnancy. And yeah, it was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't especially fun time. I mean, I'd do it a million times over to have my children, but it wasn't a time that I look back on being like, oh, it was so nice being pregnant. I didn't especially enjoy it. I, means to I think, um, especially after miscarriage, I can imagine. I mean, I've obviously, I've told you about me with my twins and losing them. I think if I got, ever got pregnant again I would be absolutely terrified it's funny because you can't control what's going to happen unfortunately and it's so hard to get that into your head at the time but I would be terrified so I totally feel you you did it the other way around and you've ended up your first experience wasn't good and then you've you know you panic then because you want something so badly as well it's um it's hard yeah so you decided to have another child which is amazing I love this and you use the same sperm donor so was that journey you mentioned the IVF so I'm guessing that journey was a bit different to this one the first one then yeah so that's just a lot more medicalized you're having um injections every day to try and get lots and lots of follicle lots of eggs um stimulate lots of follicles so that they can harvest lots of eggs they even with that i think i maybe got four eggs something like that not very many um and i think maybe two yeah i think two grew to be uh like really good and they were the two they put back in me and I got pregnant with my son so I was incredibly lucky incredibly lucky there's nothing left in the freezer um equally I you know I did get quite poorly when I was pregnant with him so uh, uh, you know I'm I'm done now (laughs) but I feel so so lucky to have them both I really do and there's so many tales of IVF that uh, you know where it's actually really really tough and people go back round after round so I was incredibly lucky with with both of mine to conceive them the way I did yeah oh bless you so so did you go for the did you go down the sperm donor route first and then it didn't work or is that why you went for IVF afterwards was it uh yes so I went I had I had artificial artificial insemination first I had it about five times with my son because I it'd been so easy with my daughter I was like oh hold on why isn't this working Mm. but it it wasn't working I don't know um I don't know why maybe my fertility had decreased or maybe it was you know my body was still a little bit tired after having my daughter um and it I think it was better timing by the time I got to do the IVF it was a little bit further down the line my daughter was uh over one and I think my body had recovered a lot more um and yeah I was very fortunate yeah oh that's lovely so obviously uh, now you're done with your children so you're happy with you two and you've got one of each which is amazing as well I just feel and I feel like if I had more I wouldn't be able to give them as much attention and you know I'm outnumbered as it is so I think it's I think it's a good balance with two and I've loved watching their friendship grow it's just it's the most beautiful thing I can imagine it's really nice I mean you know there's a bit of pushing and shoving there as well but they are great pals and that's really good but yeah I I feel like um 
it would be it would be a push in in all sorts of ways you know physically emotionally financially every every spiritually every every going I think I think we're really good as a unit that is so nice and what's the age gap between them both then because it's quite small isn't it two years so my son he chases after his sister crawls after her um and yeah and she's become over the like, past few months seeing how kind she's become to him and yeah they they do seem to be really really um really good together that is so lovely so would you be happy with your children to make contact with their i suppose i'm not sure on the right word for this so forgive me if i'm wrong the dad when they're old enough what what is the right terminology we describe it as donor rather than a dad um i think because the dad is a really a role it involves you know it's the person who reads stories at night to their child and teaches them to ride a bike and is there day to day and if I told my children they did have a dad I think it would be setting them up for a real sense of disappointment potentially later on I I mean I'm really up for them going if if it were me I definitely want to meet that person and but it's much more just a kind of thing to understand your history and understand where your genetics came from um, and to satisfy curiosity it's not like they're going to be parachuted in in that dad role so uh, although they obviously have a biological father he's he's he doesn't play the role of a dad so so donor seems to be the most um kind of neutral term to use so that they just know they know that then i i would i wouldn't want to set them up for a disappointment yeah absolutely no I completely um understand that so so with the um sperm donors do they have a choice then whether they want the children to contact them or did you say in this country that is just um how it works yeah in the UK if you're not happy with um someone contacting you when they're a grown-up then you don't you don't donate sperm the law changed maybe 15 years ago uh before that donors were anonymous and they didn't um they didn't have any um contact at all and I think that has led to quite a bit of sadness for some people who desperately would like to understand you know it's even that thing of like why are you sporty and your mum's not um obviously with genetic testing sites that's some of some of those people are not getting the anonymity they thought that they were going to get because people can find out that that they were conceived you know that they weren't conceived often it's when you have a couple and they kept um in the olden days you'd have a couple and they would sometimes keep it quiet that they'd used um a donor Mm. and um and then the adult now can find out with with some of those 23 and me and yes of course of course what what happens with the birth certificate out of interest does that the birth certificate says mother on it mm-hmm. and then there's just nothing filled in on the, the father bit. It's just left blank. Oh, right. Uh, I just wondered with that. No, that's really interesting. So you, Genevieve, now um, at the moment, are you in a relationship or are you still um, single mumming it on your own, I guess, at the moment? Um, at the moment, I'm single mumming it, you know. Yeah. I'm sure that in the 
future i'll meet someone um and that will be amazing uh at the moment i'm i don't have many evenings <laughs> my son's still one so um so there's not there's not much i don't have that much of a social life just at the moment you know it would be lovely to meet someone down the line but what's i think what's really nice is i'm not meeting them with a sense of desperately wanting um a child you know there's no it's it's just about them uh, it's not about anything else and i think I, I sort of you know in my 30s i i think i as much as it was sort of subconscious i i did really want a child so it was about that whole package it wasn't it it, it was yeah, I think it's it's lovely that it's there's no rush and it's just about meeting the right person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because a lot of the time, I mean, with my husband now, I was quite lucky to meet him um, when I was 29. Uh, was I? I think I'm making this age up, actually. I think I was 27. Oh, I've lost track. Do you know, I just feel old. But, <laughs> but um, when I met him, it all happened quite quickly. Thankfully, he was on the same page because I imagine when someone isn't and you kind of feel like, you know, your body clock is kind of ticking as a girl naturally that's what we do um I think that would be really tough because you wouldn't want to feel like you like putting pressure on the person but then also you know what you want so it's quite difficult isn't it yeah yeah so with everything that's happened you released a book on your amazing journey didn't you so can you tell us a bit more about that and where people can find it and find you as well Yes, it's published by Piatkus, which is part of Little Brown, and they it's called Going Solo, My Choice to Become a Single Mother Using a Donor. It was published um, this time last year, April last year, um, and I was delighted. It was, it was amazing to, I, I've worked as a journalist for a long time, so it was amazing to get a chance to write that story, and it's not just my story, it's also interviews with other mums with people who've grown up who are donor conceived with fertility experts um with donors so it sort of uh explores the whole thing through the lens of my story and getting pregnant and my it goes up to when my daughter's a year old and i'm trying to um to conceive my son using IVF so that's a bit of a spoiler because he's he's happy he's a happy one year old oh that's amazing (laughs) is there any advice that you would give to anyone who is single who's in a a similar position to what you were or is there anything that you'd say to think about before they go along this route or is there anything that you could give them a bit of advice of where where to go and what to do well I I'd say it's um it's just always worth knowing that you've got choices that you're not being kind of backed into a corner I think there's lots of people who who maybe do really want to have children um some people don't and that's that's kind of far more straightforward but if you do and you're single I I think it's good not to feel pressure to meet someone and I think almost by not feeling pressure and knowing that there's other ways around you're almost more likely to meet someone that you really like than than doing it because you're a bit like oh my gosh I, I I'm on a timeline here, um, which I don't think is a very helpful thing. So I think just knowing that you've got choices is just really empowering for for every woman. Um, I also think it's worth spending lots of I was lucky my nephews are a bit older and I'd spent so much time with them. I think it's really good to actually understand that being a parent is not a you know, it's not a job that you can clock off. Um, 
I, I'm in quite a big community of solo mums and I don't think anyone has any regrets I don't I don't think you know it's the same with all parents I don't think people tend to regret um doing it and they, they tend to be very loved children because it's all been thought out so carefully and and I think that's it I think if you're going to embark on it you do tend to think it out really really carefully mm. and, and make sure that it's the right thing for you and I think that's the right way to do it because no, it's um, it's it's the biggest decision you're going to make of your entire life. Definitely. And how long from you deciding that that's what you're going to do to having your child? How well, not the nine months. I mean, like, how long did it take for you to to get pregnant from the start to getting pregnant? Then, um, with Astrid, it was fairly swift. Actually, I think, um, I I know that I'd just been starting to think in the January of that year. I thought. I'm going to go for a fertility test. I'd spoken to a friend who adopted. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. To kind of get his point of view. And he told me how hard the adoption process is currently in the UK um, and how draining it can be. Um, and he actually said, have you thought of, have you thought of making your own? And I decided I should get, get, go for fertility tests. Um, is that at the same place the fertility clinic is that at the same place you do that or is it a hospital yes no that's you can my GP gave me a couple of tests and then I had further ones at, at the clinic and they scan your ovaries and look and check that you've got eggs there um, and they do a test to look at your ovarian reserve although whether that one's very mine came out as as low as you'd like and and I still didn't have a problem conceiving my daughter so I think that's more a test it's your AMH level your anti-malarian hormone and I think that that's more useful if you've already if you're in a couple and you're not conceiving that's quite a good um good thing to test whether if you're single it's as useful is up for debate at the moment um but yeah, it, it wasn't that long. I mean, I was pregnant by, I mean, I had my daughter the March afterwards. So it must have been a year and two months from from start to her actually being in my wow. arms. That's really quick, isn't it? That's that's lovely. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, yeah. thank you, uh, Genevieve, um, for coming on. I'm sure everyone will absolutely love listening to your motherhood journey. Um and yeah it's lovely to have you on so um i look forward to speaking to you soon anyway thank you thank you thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of 50 shades of motherhood i thoroughly enjoyed it and i hope you guys did too if you are enjoying the podcast so far which i really hope you are and if you've got this far why are you still listening if you don't um, but I would absolutely love you to subscribe and leave me a little rating. It means the world to me and also helps me out massively, especially when I go to Danny and tell him that I'm going to be doing series two, fingers crossed. So I look forward to speaking to you next week and keep an eye on the Facebook page and Instagram so you know who the next guest is. You will absolutely love it. I know it. This podcast is sponsored by My Bump to Baby Family Protection and Legal Directory. 
Being a parent is such a minefield. It's so difficult deciding who to select when it comes to financial advice or family law solicitors. My Bump to Baby works with one trusted financial advisor and one trusted family law solicitor in each town throughout the whole of the UK. To find your nearest advisor or family law solicitor, head over to www.mybumptobaby.com forward slash family protection legal. We have a really special offer today and I'm so excited to share it with you. The ultimate giveaway. Do you want to receive one of our planners for free or would you like access to our Instagram growth course worth £59? At My Bump to Baby, we are massively passionate about making sure parents have the protection in place that they need should the worst happen. If you choose to book in with your nearest family law solicitor today to have a look and a chat about your will, or if you book in with your financial advisor to review your family protection or your pension, we will give you access to either our Instagram course with £59 or we will send you one of our amazing planners completely free of charge. To qualify for this, all you need to do is fill in the form at the bottom of this podcast and we will book you in with your nearest advisor. You don't need to take out a policy and you don't need to take out a will. It's just simply having a chat to make sure that you have the protection that you need should the worst happen. We are so excited to bring you this offer and we hope you take advantage of it because protecting your family is the most important decision that you could make today.